Yeah, he's great. He's the best. I need that. Okay. So this week's parsha is parsha's truma. We're entering into the rarefied airspace of the Mishkan and all the Kalim of the Mishkan, the Shechina. And there are so many lessons for us to take from all of the Klei HaMishkan and all the Mefarshim, the Rishainim, the Achreinim. They all speak out, all of the Mishalim, all the lessons, all of the, uh, the Diyukim and the Psukim, and how we could apply these lessons to our life. Nobody should ever think that these Parshias of Truma Tetzaveh Vayakal Pekude, all of these parshias of the Mishkan and Sefer Vayikra, for that matter, uh, are not Negeya, they're not relevant to me. Uh, let's get back to Bereshis, let's go forward to Bamidbar Devarim. These are very relevant parshias. Every single one of the Kleha Mishkan, every one of the Big Day Kahuna, everything is Negeya to us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not put in his Torah something that's only bound by a certain uh, period of history. Everything in the Torah is eternal. And there are so many lessons for us to learn and to, uh, and to really uh, uh, shape our lives by. The Aaron provides for us a, uh, a, great, uh, a great source of lessons uh, in terms of Tyra, because the Aaron is Misamal Tyra, we know that. But there's a, a beautiful vart that Rabbi Yitzchel Hanan Spector, the great Kovner Rav. Rabbi Yitzchel Hanan was uh, a person who was the Rav of the city of Kovna, but he was possibly the most beloved Jewish leader of the last century. It said that you could not go into a Jewish house in, uh, throughout Eastern Europe, Russia, Poland, and not have a see on the wall some sort of painting or photograph of Rabbi Yitzhak Hanan. And there's many images of Rabbi Hanan that you could uh, find, uh, you know, uh, in terms of old lithographs, old posters, because he was so beloved that everybody wanted his image to hang on the walls of their homes and their sukkahs. Listen to a vart that Rabbi Yitzhak Hanan says. On the Pasuk of Ahayu HaKruvim, Parsech Nafayim Lamala, that the Kruvim were spanning their wings on high. Their wings were, were facing upwards. Upneim Ishal Achiv, the faces of the two Kruvim were facing Ishal Achiv, man to his friend, man to his brother. There was a wingspan going high, and at the same time there was an interfacing between the two of the Kruvim. Zakhtar Bitzel Khanan, that's a tremendous lesson for us to take in our lives. Because every person should be aspiring always to get closer to the Rabbi Shalom. That's what the wings represent, to be able to soar to be able to get higher and higher in Avedis HaKadosh, to be able to improve our davening, to be able to improve our learning, to be able to improve our Yerushamayim. Bein Adam Lamakim is paramount in our lives. We always try to go Lamala and higher and higher on the Sulam HaTaira, on the ladder of Taira. That's the dream of every Yid, or it should be at least. But, says Yitzhak Hanan, there's another element to our lives that cannot be forgotten. And that is, 
that you have to also put a lot of effort into caring about one another. And that's the Kruvim. The Kruvim did both. The Kruvim showed that it's possible for a human being to soar like an angel, but only if it's also coupled with the fact that you also have the interpersonal re- relationships between Ishan and Achiv. One without the other doesn't work. There are many Yidin that only work on their own personal Avedis HaKadosh, and they daven, and they learn, and it's wonderful. There's nothing, how can you fault that? But when it comes to Beit Adam Chaverai, they're very, very makel with that. They don't really care so much about other people. They don't care about hurting other people. They don't, they're, they're cold-hearted, and they're, uh, they're just basically indifferent to one another. If a person has a tzara, not my problem. If a person uh, is, is drowning in terms of uh, sheer, in terms of uh, Yerushamayim, in terms, it's not my problem. I'm doing well myself. I'm flying. I, but somebody else needs me, or, or I see that somebody else are, are, is not flying as high as I am. Nope, that's not my problem. That's their problem. That's not obviously a way to be as a yid. A yid has to always, as much as we're focused on parsech nafaim lamala, we also have to have pnei mishalachiv. And the opposite is true also. There are certain yidin that are very intimate adam lachavera in a beautiful way. This isn't knocking anybody. They're very into hatzala and they're very into going out of their way for chaverim and all these amazing things. Or, or regular people like you and me, and we, we just we like helping people, but. When it comes to our ruchnius, when it comes to our ben adam lamakim, we are sometimes deficient. We're not putting our all of our kaiches into davening. We don't wake up every morning for davening. When we do wake up, it's very very shvach, and our learning is shvach. We come late to seder. We leave early, and we're on our phone half the time, and we're we're schmoozing. We're being mevatel tire the whole. That's so we're, we might be really good ben adam lachaver, but when it comes to ben adam lamakim, we're quite deficient. The Pasuk is telling us that be like the Kruvim. Be parsech nafayim lamala. Try to soar heavenward with your Avedis Hashem. But at the same time, you have to be cognizant of Pneim Ishal Achiv. Be at the same time very careful always to look at your friend and see what he needs. And the two together will balance out our Aveda and make us that perfect Yid that HaKadosh Baruch Hu envisions us to be. The way I read the Pasuk, based on this Vart, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling us that the Kruvim should be Parsek Nafayim. You should be soaring in heaven. You should really be trying to do your Aveda, but it's on the condition that Pneim Yishalachiv. When you're doing your Avedas HaKadosh, when you're trying to go very, very high in your Ruchnias, make sure that you're not stepping over other people. Don't think that it's okay to be running towards doing a mitzvah, trampling on other people, because that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. That's not what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. HaKadosh Baruch Hu only wants your Avedas Hashem provided that all your ben adam l'chaveray is also in check. If you're not working towards giving proper covet and, and caring about your friend, HaKadosh Baruch almost doesn't want our Aveda. That's the way it is, and that's 
really what Rabbi Yisrael Salanter spent the better part of his life trying to achieve for Klal Yisrael. If I would try to encapsulate what the mission of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, the father of the Muslim movement, was, it would basically be to teach us this lesson, that as far as your Avedis Hashem goes, it's only worth something if you're at the same time being very, very careful not to in any way hurt somebody else in the process of your Avedis Hashem. And we'll, we're going to give a few examples that Rishel Salanter himself espoused throughout his life, and then we'll uh, give a few more examples. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter himself was the one that said the great Vart on the word Luchay Savanim, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us Shnei Luchay Savanim, but if you look in the Torah, the word for Luchay, you'd think it would be spelled Lamed Vav Ches Vav Tov, but instead the Torah spells it Lamed Ches Tov. Luchas. Luchas means one tablet, not two. We read it, Luchais, but it's spelled Luchas. Cesar Bissal Salanta, you know what that means? It means that the Bein Adam Lamakim, which is on one of the Luchais, and the Bein Adam Lachaver, which is on the other Luach, are really one. Don't try to, uh, to split the Avedis Hashem into two different parts as if it's like a menu. And I could choose whether I want to be in Bein Adam Yid or Bein Adam Lamakim Yid. It, it's one. You can't have one without the other. If you're trying to be very from and you think HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants your Avaida, even though that you're not so firm when it comes to or vice versa, that's not the way it works. It has to be Luchas, it has to be that there's one Luach, pretend that there's a seamless interaction between the Benad Lachaveray and the Benad Lamakim, and if you have that, then that's the Taira. But if you don't, if you choose to one over the other, that's not what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. Rabbi Saul Salanter was once at, a, uh, at an inn, and he was very personally meticulous in halacha. He was very medactic, as you would imagine. But at this inn, there were, he, he, was, he went to wash his hands before he ate, and he used a very minimal shear of water in his washing cup. And the Talmidim were looking at him, or the, the people around him, and they were wondering, like, why he was being so mitzamtzim, why he was minimizing the shear. He should, you know, fill up the cup. Each hand should get a whole uh, revius or whatever it is and, and make sure to really give it your all. Why not? It reminds me of the, there's a very famous photograph that I saw recently somebody sent me. Uh, it's, I think it was by Rav Hutner's daughter's chasna. And you see Rav Hutner sitting by the, the dais and Ramesha Feinstein was washing his hands in front of him, there was like a little basin that was brought to Ramesha to wash his hands, and he was washing it, and, and Rav Hutner was like staring at Ramesha, like every move that Ramesha was making, how he held the cup, and how he poured it, and how much he was using, and that's sort of like, that's how I pictured this scene as it played out by Rishol Salanter. They were staring at every move that a Gadol makes, you have to examine. Rishol Salanter was pouring with a very minimal shear, and they asked him, Rabbi, like, you know, there's, there's water in the barrel. They didn't have in, in-house, uh, in-ground uh, plumbing like where Zaychad have. They had a, a, a barrel like with like a keg with, full of water and they would take uh, out of a, uh, the tap or out of the spout, a sh- you know, and, then as, and it would deplete. So they said, Rabbi, why didn't you use a whole big shear? He says, 
because who's going to fill up this barrel when it's empty? When, when, when the water in the barrel is completely depleted and it's gone, who's going to fill up the barrel? It's not, it doesn't happen on its own. There's an almana, and almana has to go and schlep on her back uh, the water down to the river, freezing cold in the winter. She has to break the ice. She has to get more water in the bucket, schlep this bucket back up. I have the right, I have the ability to fill up my cup on her cheshpen. You can only do ben adam l'amakim. Ben adam l'amakim is beautiful, but don't trample on a ben adam l'chaveri. If, you, if you're not thinking while you're doing the Ben Adam Makim, how is this going to affect a, another person, another human being? If you're forgetting the human factor in the process of doing a Ben Adam Makim, because you want to be from, but you're going to be Makmir, and it's going to affect somebody else, you're going to be Matriach, somebody else, because of your personal Chumrah, you have to rethink that Chumrah. That's a Chumrah that, that might not be um, acceptable in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu isn't interested in your Chumrah if it's going to make an Almana have to work harder. In fact, some of the Musar Svarim bring this story that I just told you in order to explain a very interesting Pasuk that we had in Sefer Bereshis that Avram Avinu, who was so huge in Achnasus Archim, and we know he brought, when, when those three angels came to visit, and in the guise of human uh, guests, so Avram Avinu was very generous. He was the most generous host. He shechted three big animals, even though there were three human beings. How, many, how much meat can a human being eat? They need three. You know, if you come to my house, I'd shech for you a whole, a whole big animal. How much do you eat? How, how many steaks could you eat? He wanted to give them tongue, which is the most hush of a delicacy, Tongue with mustard, so every every animal only has one tongue. He had to shack three big animals in order to give each of the guests their own tongue. So we see he was very generous, and he got he brought them a lot of drinks, and 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 he he made it beautiful for them. But yet, when it came to washing their hands, it says the pasuk says yukach na ma'atmayim. Avram Avinu tells him just take a little bit of water. All of a sudden, Avram Avinu is cheaping out on his guests when it comes to water. I want you to I want you to wash your feet with the water, but just take a little bit. Wait a little bit. Why can't he say, take a whole shear? So the Darke Musar and other Musars Farm say, because Avram Avinu was similar to Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. Avram Avinu did everything personally. Everything that he did, he shechted, he went to fetch the cow and to prepare it, him and Sarah prepared that. And all, this, all of these things were prepared by Avram Avinu, except for one thing. When it came to the water, Chazal say that he brought, that he asked somebody to bring the water. Yishmal, the Nar, was asked to bring the water uh, for the guests. So says the Darke Musar, now we understand why Avram Avinu said, just take a little bit of water because you're going to affect, I, I don't mind if you would take it on my head, if I was the, the Vasu Chagar, if I was the one that was the water carrier, fine, but I'm not, I'm not doing it myself, I'm doing, I asked somebody to do it for me. I can't be machmir on somebody else's cheshpen. For you to take a big share of water, that's fine if I'm doing the schlepping. But since I'm asking the nar to do the shlapping for me, I have to be mitzamtzim in the shear of water. Yukach no ma'atmayim. 
And that has to constantly be the filter every single time we do any mitzvah. We always have to see how are we affecting somebody else? How is this going to affect? Is there any human beings around that it might affect in an adverse way if I'm being machmir? Is the Ben Adam Lamakim purely Ben Adam Lamakim without any interference? Ben Adam Lachaveira, then great. But if I'm going to affect somebody else, I have to be very careful. Because that is only the Ben Adam Lamakim is completely re- reliant on the assumption that the Ben Adam Lachaveira is going to be held intact. A similar Maisa happened with Rabbi Salanter. When he went to, whenever he went to bake matzahs, he was very machmir. One year he couldn't, and he asked his talmidim to do the matzah baking for him. He wasn't going to be part of the chabur this year. He was going to be eating the matzahs, but he was going to rely on his talmidim to to take over the operation of the chabura of the baking of the matzahs that year. So the talmidim says, "Okay, Rebbe, which chumra do you want? Tell us a list of all the chumras that you want." how to knead it, how much time, all of whatever goes into making matzah, how much, you know, to sand down the, the poles before you put it in and how long it should be in and when to take it out, how, to, all of, how thick it should be, how thin it should be, whatever you want. Tell us shirim, we want to hear chumras. He says, come here, I'll tell you a chumra. This is the only chumra that I'm akbin on. The only chumra that I care about is that there are almanis that are the ones, those women that are rolling. If you ever go to a baksa bakery, they have women rolling the, uh, the, the dough. They throw clumps of dough at them, and they, they roll it out to smoothen it out into making matzahs. Then afterwards, they do other things. The men do other things, and then they, they put it into, into the ovens. But the chumrah that I have for you is that those almanis, they're almanis, they're widows. You have to be extremely sensitive to them, which means that don't scream at them don't yell at them. Don't say you're, you're doing it too slow. You've got to do it fast. Let's speed it up, guys. Let's go. You have to be very, very sensitive to them. These are almanas. They're isurim dairaisa. That if you're ma'ana and almana, we learned that we, we learned in last week's parasha and mishpatim about kol yasim v'almana le'isa'anan. You're not allowed to, to in any way be insensitive to the heart of an almana. That's the chumrah that I have. That's the chumrah that I have. Don't trample on other people on the way to doing mitzvahs. You want to do a mitzvah, great. But don't trample. A similar mice with Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. This is Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. Rabbi Salanter, when he was putting the talus over his head, they asked him, like, what are your kavanas? What are your kavanas? When you're wrapping yourself in your talus, Mistama, you have kavanas. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, you know, the Arba Kanfis Aretz, like taking all the, the four corners of the earth and uniting them and whatever, like, tell us the, the deep Kabbalistic Kavanas that you must have when you're wrapping yourself into the Talas. Come, come close, I'll tell you my one Kavana. The Kavana that I have when I wrap my Talas around my, uh, over my head and I go like that, is that when I fling the Talas behind my head, the tzitzah shouldn't go into the guy behind me's eyes. Did that ever happen to you? Somebody was like in the morning doing their, their, their tzitzis, lasati bat tzitzis, and it goes right into your eyes. The guy was so from, but he wasn't careful about poking out somebody else. That's from, it's from to be able to like just be, you know, completely enraptured by the rebsels. No, 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 that's not the mitzvah. The mitzvah is only good if you didn't poke out anyone's eyes in the process. If you're poking in, if you're hurting somebody, if you were insensitive, you didn't think to see, to look behind you before you so passionately wrapped the tzitzes around, that's a problem. 
That's the parse knafayim without the pnei mishalachiv. You have to have the parse knafayim lamala, but at the same time you also have to have the pneim ish elachiv. There's a great Misa that I heard also, B'Shem Rebisal Salanta, I don't know if it's true, but I love this Misa. It, it's so beautiful. There was a, uh, Rebisal Salanta used to travel a lot. And one time, he was at somebody's house, and he was sitting in the guest seat, and this Balabas was sitting in front of the beautiful house, and uh, the wife had you know, really worked hard to make Shabbos beautiful, and she had set the table um, you know, with all of the china and all the crystal and all the silverware and uh, a beautiful Shabbos table. She was working Mamish Thursday and Friday. She knew that the great Rebusel Salanta would be eating by them. So everything had to be perfect. And she was so busy and so occupied with all the achanas that somehow she forgot to put over the chalas the, uh, the, the chala cover. It's, 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 it's human, it's normal, it's understandable. You know, that's the last thing, that's the finishing touch. She was busy in the kitchen making the, the gefilte fish and the soup and whatever, she forgot to put the chal on. So this husband, who is obviously not the biggest uh, tzaddik, or maybe he was, but he was just a little bit uh, you know, off his game that night, he, uh, he notices in the middle of Shalom Aleichem that the, uh, that the, the challah cover is not on. So he screams out to his wife in front of Rebusel Salanda, in front of all the guests at the table. The wife was in the kitchen far away. He says, uh, excuse me, uh, you forgot to put the challah cover on the, on, the, on, on the chalas. And again, he repeats it again. He's screaming louder. And Rebusel Salanda, was, his midas were perfect. He was like turning all colors. He was like very, very upset that this is where he was eating Friday night. He didn't know what to do. How do you defuse a situation? He didn't want to embarrass this poor woman. And the woman was probably in the, in the kitchen. Like she didn't want to come out. She was so embarrassed because he was really like insulting her. So Rebisal Salante just very nonchalantly says to the man, tell me, what's the reason why we put a challah cover on the, on the chalas? Why Friday night do we put a challah cover? What's the reason? What's the... So he says, tira pas bushasai. Because, you know, you could theoretically make Kiddush on challah. Our minig is to make it on yayin. So we don't want the wine to be, uh, the challah to be embarrassed that we chose the wine over it. So we cover the challah until after Kiddush and then we, uh, we remove the, uh, the challah cover. And then we make, we make hamaytzi on the, on the pas. And all of a sudden, as he's explaining it, this guy realizes on his own what Rabbi Saul Salanter was alluding to that when it comes to an inanimate object, you're careful, you're so machmer, you're so from, that you have to embarrass your wife because you think the challah really has eyes, you think the challah has nerves, you think the challah is, 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 you know, is blushing because you're... The chazal mean to say that you're supposed to learn musr from this. That if the challah, which doesn't have eyes and doesn't have ears and doesn't have a heart and doesn't have a if that is going to somehow feel slighted, whatever that means, we have to be careful not to slight other people. And here, in the process, you were so from about covering the challah, you forgot the purpose of covering the challah. 
And so what you're, you were supposed to learn from the covering of the challah, you completely went right over your head, and you're embarrassing your wife who has feelings, and who has a heart, and who has eyes, and who has ears, and who, who could blush. Her you're embarrassing because she never forgot to put the challah cover on. If you look in the Mishnah Bura, he alludes to this, but the Chavetz Chaim we know himself used to do this, that when he had guests that came for Shabbos, or when he had uh, people that were working for him, today we're very, you know, we live in a very affluent society, Baruch Hashem. So today, you know, when it comes into Shabbos, many of us have already had a lot of food. Uh, we're not like starving, Baruch Hashem. We had, you know, we had lunch. And then you had Tayameh, Chaim Zachu, you know, there's a, you know, you had to taste your children for the, the children cook off. And, you know, and there's a kogel, you had a, your mother gives you a piece of kogel maybe before Shabbos. And, you know, and you're, you're eating basically the whole day until Shabbos comes. So you're not starving. In the olden days, they didn't have that. They didn't have these luxuries of having so much food. The people that were working in the kitchens, uh, the, you know, the Masharsim, they basically ate breakfast, and then maybe they had a morsel to eat for lunch, maybe, and then they didn't eat until Friday night. Sometime in the summer, Friday night could be, uh, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night by the time they get something to eat. And then you have guests that traveled in from other, uh, from other cities, and they didn't eat the whole day. So they came into Shabbos, they were pretty hungry by the time they were standing around, you know, singing Shalom Aleichem. The minig of the Chavitz Chaim was that he, when such a thing happened, when there were people eating by him that were hungry. Whenever he had guests, he didn't sing Shalom Aleichem until after the fish, until deep into the meal. Why? Because he says, you know, angels we know don't eat. They don't eat. We know from Avraham Avinu. They, they don't eat. They pretend to eat maybe. They don't need to eat. So they're doing fine. I should welcome the angels in now while real human beings are are, are hungry and they're they're halishing to have something to eat. I, I should be, you know, living large and like saying, you know, sing Shomlet to the angels. The angels let them wait. Let me feed the human beings at my table who are hungry. And then after that I'll sing Shomlechim to the angels. I'll deal with them after, but I have to do triage. What's more important? What does the Rabbanishlam want? Does the Rabbanishlam want me to sing beautiful Zmiras to the angels, or does he want me to feed the human beings at my table? Everything has to be put through that question mark. Is this, whenever you have to decide, is this the right thing to do? First of all, see, how are you affecting another human being? If no human beings are being adversely affected, if, you're, if you had a nice you know, lunch today on Friday and there's no guests in your house, and you're just, so of course it's just Shalom Aleichem. But to, 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 uh, if you have people and you see that they're hungry, then you have to be very careful. If Shach used to say that he remembers once he was invited as a yeshiva bacher, to a, a Balabas's house. That's how, in the olden days, in the yeshivas, they didn't have, like we have, Baruch Hashem, a dining room and a kitchen. They basically, it was called eating teg. Teg means eating days, which means that on Monday you ate by the cones, on Tuesday you ate by the levies, on Thursday, Wednesday, you ate by this person. Every day, there was another family that fed the Bachram, and, and, and so it went. There was rotation. So he says, one night we were eating by a certain, uh, one Friday night we were eating by a certain person, and, uh, and this, and we were starving. Again, the, the Yeshiva Bacham ate very, very shvach. They, didn't, they had nothing to eat. They're very poor, no real source of income, no food. They couldn't just go to a makolet and you know, get, a, you know, get a slice of pizza or get some uh, whatever. So they were very hungry. And this, this Balabas was singing 
you know, Shalom Aleichem, Eishas Chayel, and Reba and Kalei Lami. It was like having a whole, whole beautiful choir. And, and Rav Shach said, I was starving. The wife came in and said to her husband in front of the, in front of the guest, she said, do you think these Bachram came to hear you sing? They want to eat something. So, you know, stop the singing. Wash, eat a little bit. You want to sing in the meal, sing in the meal. But you have to make sure to always think about, you know, the other, the human factor, the human being. There are human beings that actually are affected by your ruchnius. Ruchnius is only something of, of value if it's not going to hurt. It has to be the parsek nafaim is only good if it's a pnei mishalachav. The pnei mishalachav is the t'nai. It's not just that there's you know, two elements that we have to focus on. That's certainly true. But I think that the parsek nafaim lamala is only chashuv if it's pnei mishalachav. That's the side of Rabbi Salanter. That's what Rishel Slander teaches us. That all that we do, I remember once I was walking in Yerushalayim with my father, Olavashalom. It was Erev Pesach. We were spending Pesach in Eretz Yisrael. We wanted to go, even though it wasn't our minute, we wanted to go and see if we could find Erev Pesach matzahs. You know, so there's a chashivas to, to having shmur matzahs that was baked on Erev Pesach. That's when the carbon Pesach was made. It's, an, it's a chumrah. It's very, you know, if you can get it, it's like a really big hitter in a mitzvah. So it's not our minig at all. We don't even eat, you know, for matzahs mitzvah, we eat uh, machine matzahs. My great grandfather was very makbid that you should try to eat machine matzahs, that there's a mile of machine over hand matzahs. But anyway, we were just, maybe for the chavaya, we were going to find that we, we found the matzah bakery. And we were going to find, now we were walking down like a thin alleyway in Yerushalayim, in one of the, you know, the, uh, one of the old uh, parts of Yerushalayim. And we were looking to find, we were asking people, is there a mafia, is there a matzah bakery? All of a sudden, a big rabbi, I'm not going to say which rabbi, he was going to bake matzah. So he had like a big car, and there were chassidim by the hundreds that were following him to do this mitzvah. It was like a big avayda for chassidim. And literally, they were trampling all over us. Like, we remember we were kicked, we were battered, we were beat, like we were pushed against the, the wall like Rashi's mother, but the wall didn't give, like, like Rashi's mother was like sort of, you know, we were hit against the wall, we were like both like pinned like in, you know, one of those amusement parks against this thing, and it, you know, with, and it was, it was like such a, a, a telling experience that we had, like it's mamish, like, what are you doing? What are you pushing us for? What are you, you know, this for what? To, to, you think the, the Rabbi Shalom wants your, your chashev and matzahs if you're... If, and we weren't the only ones. Like, whoever was in the way, boom, like they were flattened. Like, this, that's, not, that's not what you should be doing. I'm not criticizing them. I'm just saying that's... It's such a, like, a, a muscle of, like, what we're talking about. They were doing it. You, you're passionate. You should be passionate. Rebbe and, and Arab Pesach. And it's a beautiful thing. But you have to be careful not to trample on somebody. I was just speaking to my son right before the Shmuz, and he's learning in Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, and he has, uh, one of his rabbeim is a grandson of Yaakov Kamenetsky. Rabbi Shmuel Kamenetsky's son is his rabbi. So he said, I was telling him what I was speaking about this morning, so he said that you have to tell him what my rabbi said, B'Shem his grandfather, B'Shem Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. He said that I never went over, like, to kiss a safer tire, meaning if the safer tire passes by, of course you kiss it. I never like was one of those guys that ran, you know, to kiss a safer tire when it's coming through and you're like, run, you know, because he says, I never wanted to step on somebody else's toes in the process of trying to kiss a safer tire. 
How many times did it happen to you? You know, all of a sudden, like, there's like a stampede of people. They're like, you know, pushing you. Maybe if it didn't never happen to you, that means you're not davening the right shuls. But there's like a stampede of people that were like pushing you, shoving you, like to get to the safer tire. Like, that's not what the Rebbeinu Shalom wants. The Rebbeinu Shalom wants you to step on other people's toes in the process of, of running to get the safer. You have to think about what you're doing. You're worried about the, it's like worrying about the, the challah not having a cover and embarrassing somebody in the process. Like it doesn't, it's almost laughable. The Beis HaLevi at the end of the parsha, and we learned about it in one of the Vadin this week on Tuesday night, the Beis HaLevi speaks about the same the Aaron that we started with, and he learns a, a lesson about tzedakah with the Aaron that we spoke about. I'm not going to go into it again. I've been a gay supporting a Tamar Chacham, how important it is that it should be mibayis, mibachutz. You have to make sure the Tamar Chacham is not only fed in his house, but also externally that he, uh, you know, he, he looks good, he's presentable. You have to make sure that all the needs of a Tamar Chacham is taken care of. But then the Beis Levi segues and he says the following you cite, and this is, I think, uh, ties in really nicely with what we're saying, and it's so true that when an ani comes to your door, you have to treat the ani like your esrig. What does that mean? You have to treat the ani like your esrig. How do you treat your esrig? Or how do like people that are really very mahadir in the midst of esrig? How do they treat it? They go and they look for that esrog. They're mamish, like, first little tubishvat, they're already davening that special tefillah. They should be zeicha to find that esrog. And then when, you know, uh, already aserasimei tshuva, they're going to the stores, and every day they're looking for the perfect esrog, and they're going to the, this shuk and that shuk and this seicher and that seicher, and they have a basement guy that they go to, you know, who saves an esrog for them. They're mamish looking for the perfect esrog, which is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. This is not to knock that at all. And they could sometimes spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on an esrig. And then they wrap it up perfectly and they put it in this really expensive silver esrig box. And they bring it to shul and they, you know, before they actually use it, they look at it and they're mahana in it and they, they show it to all their friends around them and, you know, how perfect it is and the pitam and the ukits and the, and the color and the texture and the, 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 the symmetry of their esrig. That's how they do an esrig. Now, how do they do it when they get a, an ani that comes to their door? They have an ani, they're davening in shul, and an ani comes to them. It's the same taira. It's also a mitzvah. It's actually a bigger mitzvah to give tzedakah to an ani. There's many more mitzvahs that you are, and, and, and lavin that you could be over when it comes to a, an ani coming to your house than, than the mitzvah. Mitzvah of Esther is one mitzvah. When it comes to uh, an ani, you have to be careful to give, and you have to be careful to not have a hardened heart when it comes. You have to treat him nicely. You have to treat him like him. A lot of mitzvahs and averis that you could do with an ani. So the Beis HaLevi advises us that when you have a, the opportunity to give tzedakah to an ani, you have to make sure to treat him like your esrig. What is he saying? He's saying that the esrig, which is inanimate, it doesn't have feelings. It's an inanimate object. But yet you treat it so beautifully. You know why you treat it? Because that's been Adam Lamakim. It's between me and God. This is an Esri Amamish, like giving this gift to God. Okay, that's good. Now let's compare that to Ben Adam Lachavere. How's your Ben Adam Lachavere? Well, how do you treat an Ani? An Ani has a real, you know, Esri is, is, is daimet to a lave, right? That's one, the, the, the organ which, 
which is correspondent to a to an to a to a, an esrog as a heart. Well, it doesn't. It's not a physical pumping heart. It doesn't have a beating heart in esrog, but an ani does. An ani has real feelings. An ani has a family that he has to support. An ani has real life problems, feeling inferior, feeling uh, you know needy, never feeling pride that he should. And how do we treat him? How's our Ben Adam stacked up against our Ben Adam Says the Beis Halevi, the same way that you're not allowed to be Mavaza and Esrig, and Esrig is a, a chefs of the mitzvah, and when you're doing the mitzvah, you have to make sure to have proper covenant, we do. He says, when you have an ani, you have to also treat that ani with the maximum amount of respect because it's a mitzvah and it's a real person in front of you. So many times I, I go to, to shuls or, you know, I, 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 whenever, you know, very often, I'm, I'm sure we all have this experience, you know, you're diving in a shul and an ani comes in. And sometimes it's very, you know, it is annoying sometimes. You know, you're trying to dive in it. Sometimes they come over to you at a really bad time. You're in the, midst, in the middle of saying, Birchus Kriya Shema, or you're Chazar Sesha, whatever. You're trying to have Kavana, and they come over, and they put the, you know, the dollar bills in your face. Or you're at a chasna, and you're talking to somebody, and they come over to you. Or they're, or they're coming to your door at supper time, and you're really annoyed. What do you do? How do you respond to them? I've seen people that literally curse out an ani in, their, in Barabim. You know, you have no right to come into the shul, don't you see? There's a sign outside, no collecting during davening. They're like screaming at the guy. Like, what did he do wrong? He, you think he wants to do this? You think this is something that he, he takes a lot of uh, pleasure in doing? He's, he wouldn't do it if he didn't need to do it. I, I, I'm, I'm sure there are, you know, some cases that they, you know, maybe they're not 100% honest, but because there's one out of 100 guys that are, that are scamming you, it's not, that doesn't mean that 99 Aniyam have to, have to go hungry because of that one guy. Okay, so you gave a dollar and, and maybe it wasn't the most, the best well-spent dollar. Okay, uh, the Rebbein will, will consider it, I'm sure, as if you gave it to the right person. But in terms of the Bein Adam how do we treat that Ani? Don't ever be that guy that is cruel and is cold-hearted to an ani. Somebody sent me, or I saw, you know, this this week, you know, during the snowstorms, there was uh, somebody sent me a picture of like a shared house. Maybe some of you saw it also. There was uh, like it was like a you know they have these staircases these to these walk-up houses, and there's two doors, two neighbors that share a common staircase going up. Like in Brooklyn, they have a lot of these uh, like walk-up houses and stuff. So. It's, there's one guy on, on, on the right-hand side, there's still snow on the steps. And on the left-hand side, it's clear. Meaning the guy who owned the left side door cleared his side. So it's like, it's so funny to see. It's like a, it's like a staircase, like maybe a six feet wide. Three feet of it is cleared, and the other three feet are still full of snow. And the, the caption of it says, never be the guy on the left. Don't that guy? He has a perfect. What he cleaned his, his walkway. Is a tzaddik? No, no, no. He's a he's he's not a tzaddik, because he couldn't. Once you're doing it already, you couldn't have. You didn't have the heart to already sweep your neighbor's drive a little bit. It was too difficult for you to do that. I'm not saying you have to do the whole walk and the whole driveway, but but to do like the guy has like it's three feet of snow on on ten steps. Like do it. Never be that guy in left, and never be that guy in shul 
that ever speaks badly about it. And you never want to do that because just on the, on the most human level because. You're dealing with human feelings. You don't know what you could do to a person if you hurt their feelings. But even more deeply, you're, you know, you're, it, it's just, uh, it, it, it's, you're being mavazi yourself. Like, you're being mavazi, you're that guy. You're that old grumpy man that, like, you know, that you never wanted to be when you were a child. You always have to make sure to be kind-hearted and good-hearted and speak to people nicely and always have derech eretz and try to, you know, control. Even if you, you feel deep down inside that the, the person is not doing the right thing. Don't be that guy. Let other people do it. If somebody has to, there will be another guy that criticizes them, but don't be that guy. All of your benadim, the fact that you came to shul that day, you think that the Rabbi Shalom is happy with your davening? If you're the guy that screams at the ani or is like, uh, gives that ani that look, this is so important. This is such an important, critical thing that we learn from the Arun. The Arun is teaching us something. The Kruvim, those angelic beings on top of the, on top of the Arun, is not just something that happened in the Midbar. It's not just something that happened during the, in the Beis HaMikdash, in the Bayes Rishon. The, the point of this is to teach us Midas, is to teach us what the Rabbi Yishlam wants from us. I want you to be angelic. How do I be angelic? I want to be angelic. How do I do that? Okay. Two steps. Parsech nafayim lamalo. Steig, learn, daven, get as close to me as you can, says the Rabbi Nishlam. But I only want that if you understand that you have to also have Pnei Mishalachav. You have to be able to maintain that Pnei Adam Lachavera, the human side. Never be mavaza a person. Never speak lashon hara about a person in the pra- you know. Some so many times there's like machleksen in shuls over some th- whatever it is, like something silly, you know, like uh, about you know who davens for the Ahmed on Rosh Hashanah Kippur, who uh, you know who's going to be the Balkaria, who's going to you know who's going to be the Rav, who's going to be this, who's going to be that. You know, this is all these are spiritual matters. And what do we do in the process? Oh, huge machleikas has to break out in shul politics and lashon hara rechilas shemra. For what? Is this, you always have to stop and catch yourself. Like, what are you doing this for? Is the Rabbi Shalom happy with what you're doing? Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. And you're, 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 you're belittling yourself. You're belittling, belittling the whole Yiddishkeit. When we can't understand that the Rabbi Shalom doesn't want this. It's so much better just to shut our mouths and to avoid machlegas, avoid politics, especially when it's in the field of benan lamakim. This is not normal. When it comes benan lamakim, always make sure to filter everything with this question. It's an open question. Is this what the Rabbi Shalom wants? Period. Does the Rabbi Shalom now want me to move this ani because in Shul he came and he stared the davening a little bit? Is that what the Rabbi Shalom wants? When an ani comes to my door and I open up the door, should I start screaming at him, you're interrupting my supper, chutzpah, you know, go, I gave at the office. Is that what the Rabbi Nishlam wants? Obviously not. And this is the lesson of the Kruvim. This is really the shear of Rabbi Yisrael Salant. This is the shear that Rabbi Yisrael Salant gave a hundred times in his life in a hundred different ways. But it's all the same shear. That it's wonderful to be a to be an Aved Hashem, but Avedis Hashem starts and ends of its luchas. If there's a seamless interrelationship between the Benadam Lamakim and the Benadam Lachaverei, that there's a proper balance. That you're always doing the right thing, clapping Milo, but at the same time you're always cognizant of the fact 
that I don't want to step on somebody else in my passion, my zeal to do to do the Ratzon Hashem. The Ratzon Hashem is only assuming that you're being very, very sensitive and beautifully behaving. Ben Adam l'chaveri as well. Rabbi, I want you to have a beautiful Shabbos. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you.